welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Hey, you guys, as you're taking a seat, grab a Bible in front of you. We're in Ephesians 6. We had it read for us already. I'm going to go through these verses, Ephesians 6, 18, 19, and 20, over the next few minutes. I'd love for you to follow along. Just to remind you, to wrap up the Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We've been in it probably like 18 weeks or so. I've been studying this and living into it. And so as we wrap it up appropriately, we're wrapping up this great letter from Paul to the churches in Asia Minor and to the Ephesian Christians, wrapping up with prayer. What an important, important thing for us to focus on. I hope that the Lord will speak to you today. There'd be one thing that the Lord is teaching you about prayer, one thing that you this week could apply in your own life as you spend some time with the Lord. See, Paul is concluding this letter reminding the believers that he is in chains. He mentions that in his call to prayer. He's likely chained to Roman guard 24-7 and himself is asking for prayer. Now, I don't think he's mentioning the need for prayer, his chains in order to gain sympathy. I think he's doing actually the opposite. What he's doing, he's mentioning the chains to remind the listeners, remind the readers to don't be discouraged. Keep the faith. God is faithful. Even as I'm in chains, God is faithful. And I suspect there's someone here today who feels like their life is in chains. You're in prison. You're stuck. Paul is saying even in the midst of chains, we can have hope. We can have faith of God in prayer. We can keep pursuing him, keep praising him, keep worshiping him. He's not mentioning imprisonment imprisonment to gain sympathy, but to spur his listeners and readers on to live out their identity in Christ, to live out their identity in full in Jesus. You're God's beloved children. You are saved. You are secure. You are sealed. You are spirit-filled. You are sons and daughter of the king. Take up your spiritual armor, Paul says. Battle against the dark forces, Paul says. The dark forces that seek to deceive you, the dark forces that seek to afflict you, keep praying. God is still in charge. Keep praying. That's our word for us today. In fact, he says that in verse 18, if you'd look with me, Paul says this, literally, praying at all times in the Spirit. That word praying, it's a continuation of the previous section, which was all about spiritual warfare. And so what Paul is doing, he's not switching to a new subject. What he's doing, he's talking about spiritual warfare. Well, how does that happen for followers of Christ? How do we engage this battle against real dark forces with God's armor? How do you do it? With prayer. You put on the helmet of salvation with prayer. You take up your sword of the spirit with prayer. How do we engage in God's battle with prayer, for we do not battle against flesh and blood, only things that we can see. We are battling against unseen things. We need the resources of the unseen realm, the Holy Spirit, to engage in this battle. Soldiers in Christ, ready for the fight, are prepared with prayer. And so let me ask you, do you want to learn how to pray today? Are you someone, are you ready to learn? Because here's the thing, there was a woman who invited some neighbors over for some dinner that she made, and at the table she turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, sweetie, why don't you say the blessing for the meal? And the daughter said, mommy, I don't know what to say. And then mommy said, just say what you hear mommy say. 
And so the daughter said, dear Jesus, why did I invite all these people over for dinner tonight? Are you ready to learn how to pray? Well, we got some lessons for you today. Jesus' own disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. I hope that would be your prayer today. Spirit, teach me to pray today. Give me one thing I can lean into. So let's not see prayer as just something to do as a last resort, but a foundational practice as followers of Christ. For some reason, Jesus says it's important to pray. So let's do it. Let's learn. Let's lean into this. When we are journeying towards this home with God as the people of God, may this be a regular practice. As we're traveling on this path with God, we're drawn into a life of prayer. Why? Because we realize how dependent we are on God for every single step. You're fooling yourself. You think in this life, well, I can do this without God. Or foolishly think, well, I can do this with God. I can do this with God as a supplement in my life. Oh, no, Jesus does not want to be a supplement. He wants to be the center of your life. You cannot do anything that has lasting value, hear this, without Jesus at the center. You need to pray. I want to mention a few things. I'm going to mention one acronym. I'm going to mention three keys to prayer. And then I'm going to mention two specific aspects to pray as we wrap up today. Okay, take a look again, verse 18. Verse 18, Paul says this, praying, remember he's continuing the section of spiritual warfare, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Four times he uses the word all. It's this all encompassing stance saying, if we're going to be in the battle, if we're going to be faithful followers of Christ, we need to pray with a sense of this all that we're in some ways even all in with prayer. And I'm going to mention something that Paul mentions here. He says, do this with all prayer and supplication. Well, what does supplication mean? Well, I learned that word actually within a Christian church. I learned it from an acronym that I was taught as a very young follower of Christ. And it was the word ACTS, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. And there's that word, supplication. Say that. Supplication. It's a strange word. A, adoration. You get that one. We're praising God. It's what we did earlier. Most of our songs were kind of adoring songs, praising songs. Great is your faithfulness, O God. In so many ways, adoring God for who he is, not necessarily for what he does, just who he is. You're a good God. We, we adore you. He's the holy one, the beautiful, good, all-powerful. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 pretty much are praising God and telling you what a great gift you received as a recipient of this good and holy sovereign God who calls you his Abba, his father, his friend even. You are his chosen child. Adoration, that's the A. C is confession. We confess our sins. Now keep this in mind. We confess our sins and not in order to stay saved. You get this? You don't need to stay saved. You are as children of God. We confess regularly because as we come into the light of God's holiness, my sinfulness becomes very apparent. When you get close to God, you get a real clarity about your need for him. And so in, in a center, confession is this ongoing prayer and praise of God and of gratitude, which we'll get to next. We're confessing, I fall short. 
but thank you, Lord. I confess that I continue to sin. I, I continue to doubt, but bless you, Lord. You see, when we remember we have the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit, is what the book of Ephesians says, we want to confess. We want to make it right. I'm sorry, Father, for doubting your love. I'm sorry, Jesus, for forgetting that you're the center and making you a side thing in my life. I'm sorry, Holy Spirit, that I don't even think you're in me sometimes. I'm sorry, I confess. You get it? You don't need to confess to stay saved like some people might teach. The Bible is trying to say you confess simply because of a relationship with the Lord as a reflection of his constant goodness. You see, when you put yourself into proximity with perfection, with the holy king of kings, you become acutely aware of your deficits, right? In confession, remember that he is God and we are not. Okay, adoration, confession, thanksgiving. It's another piece of prayer that to encourage you to regularly incorporate into your prayer life, thanksgiving. In fact, Ephesians 5.20, Paul says, be praying by always giving thanks. The follower of Jesus has a lifestyle of gratitude. And in fact, studies are even showing what is true for all human beings, not just Christians, that gratitude is good for your health. Gratitude is good for your brain. You see improvement physically and emotionally. Study after study is showing because gratitude works. But guess what? For the Christian, gratitude is necessitated because it's reality. Think about this. You see, God's mercy is doing what we could never do in giving what we could never earn. God's mercy for us, the arrogant. God's mercy for us, the ignorant. God's mercy for us, the super sinners. And God's mercy for us, the spiritually smug, spiritually arrogant. Oh, look, I go to church. I said a prayer. I got baptized. You're trying to earn your way up the ladder? Then you don't understand it at all. You're on the wrong ladder, friend. <laughs> There's no ladder to climb with Jesus. The only ladder is he comes down to you. You get it? Thanksgiving. Thank you, God. There's nothing in of myself that made you choose me. You chose me simply out of your sovereign and gracious goodness to be your child. Gratitude. Thanksgiving. And then lastly, the S is supplication, that crazy word that I've only used really within church context. It simply means making requests. Requests we make to God. We ask God with intensity. We ask God with persistence. As Paul even says, just pray with perseverance. And because we believe that God is a good father who good, gives good gifts, we supplicate. We ask God. We ask God requests. Requests for others and requests for ourselves. Make sure in the midst of us adoring and confessing and thanking, there's space for supplicating. Oh, God, help my friend come to know you better. Oh, Lord, help me battle this darkness within. Oh, Lord, I want to trust you for this dark season I'm in. Supplication. You see, we make these supplications for others and for ourselves. And guess what? Sometimes God's answer is no. Oh, that hurts. Sometimes God's answer is just not yet. You're not ready for my yes yet, right? We get all kinds of different answers from God, but God will answer. But sometimes the answer is no, and it hurts. And yet we still supplicate. We ask requests of God for others and for 
ourselves. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes the answer is yes when we're ready in God's timing for his yes. So I want you to spend some time this week thinking about A-C-T-S, that you would incorporate that into your prayer life. Hey, as we continue on here, I'm going to mention three keys to prayer as well. Verse 18 again. Paul is saying, praying at all times, look at verse 18, in the spirit. What does he mean? He could mean, by the way, in the spirit, he could mean some kind of amazing spiritual experience, like some of the Christians were experiencing miracles and and prophecies. He could be meaning that. He also simply could be meaning, Christians, you have the spirit living within you. Always remember to be praying in the spirit because your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against things that you only can see. It's against the unseen realities. Pray in the spirit. You need the unseen resources of the heavenly realms to battle the dark forces that you cannot see as well. Pray in the spirit. Romans 8, 26, 27 says, believers have the spirit to help us as we pray. Pray in the Spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit himself is praying for you. Pray with confidence, knowing God is on your side. Ask the Spirit for help. Anyone need help praying? The Spirit says, I want to help you pray. So try praying this week, okay? Secondly, a second key is we are to be alert. Paul uses that very word. Be alert as you pray with perseverance. See, the need for us to be ready in what Paul calls these evil days requires praying in the spirit and alertness because there is division and violence and fear and mental health challenges in these dark and evil days, right? We need to pray in the spirit with perseverance and be alert. This is not all that you see is as it is. There are dark forces trying to undermine our world. Dark forces trying to combat the grace and goodness of our Lord Jesus. Be alert. We're to pray in the Spirit and be alert. Thirdly, we're not only to pray in the Spirit and be alert, we are to always keep praying. Praying at all times is what Paul says. Romans 12, 12, Paul says it differently. He says, be constant in prayer. You see, Paul knew we needed the resources of heaven all the time in your working, in your playing, in your relationships, in your finances, in your church. Yes, not just in ministry, in your whole life. You need the resources of the kingdom to make good decisions, to be faithful, to walk with the Lord. Always keep praying because our battle is not against flesh and blood alone. And when we see Paul does a couple more things I want to highlight because he tells us to pray for all the saints. Pray for all the saints. And what he's doing, this is a form of supplication with perseverance for others. Now, I want to keep in mind this. The word saints, some people might teach that what he's saying is pray for all of the saints, including those who are already dead. So I want to make a point here. Our tradition, reading the Bible, we wouldn't say the Bible is teaching us to pray for those who are already dead, okay? So I want to be clear with that, that this this prayer for all the saints just means brothers and sisters alive in Christ. That's all it means. You're a saint, I'm a saint, if you know Jesus. He's not telling us to pray for those who have already died. I don't think dead people need our prayers. Alive people need our prayers 
And he's also not telling us to pray to dead people. So I want to make that all clear. We pray to God. We don't pray to saints who have already died. We pray for the saints who are alive. And saints are simply believers. So I want to make that clear. Praying for all the saints means your prayers are directed towards others. That's your supplication. Dear Lord, pray. I'm praying for them that they may know you better. Help them get through this tough time. It's a prayer of supplication for others. And sometimes we see God amazingly break through, don't we? Sometimes. In fact, in Exodus 17, we have an amazing time of prayer. We see the Israelites had a victory over this enemy army as while Joshua was leading the troops in the battle. Moses, you know who he is, along with Aaron and Hur, they watched the battle from a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But as his arms got tired, they started losing as he prayed. And so what happened, Aaron and Hur came and lifted Moses' arms as they prayed. And the battle was won. A miracle happened. As long as his hands were held up in prayer, they were winning. It's a miraculous story of God's reality breaking into ours. Now, here's the point here. This amazing miracle is the norm for God. What we see as supernatural to God is just natural. It's his normalcy. Our everyday lives with pain and disappointments and frustrations are normal for now. But one day, it'll be abnormal to be unhappy. You hearing me? One day, sickness will not be the norm. And violence will not be the norm. God's norm right now is perfection and goodness and beauty and light. And sometimes as we supplicate for others and we pray, we see God's norm break through in our life, which we call supernatural, a miracle. That's just God's normalcy. And on planet Earth, I am praying that we would see God break through more like that. Oh, Lord, may your normalcy on, as it is in heaven break through on Earth for my sick friend, for my friend who doesn't know you yet. For this terrible situation in our nation, Lord, break through, show, reveal your goodness. You see, part of this persevering, supplicating prayer for others, sometimes we see God break through and we see the story of Moses. We get a glimpse of what our lives will look like when we no longer have to doubt God's power, when we'll see God when our every enemy is defeated, where, where that enemy might be poverty or materialism or depression or violence or bitterness or fear, that will be our norm one day. It is not yet. So when God answers our supplicating prayers, we get a glimpse of what is to come. Does this make sense? But it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a not yet. But friends, as we pray, we know that this is the reality of our good God. That one day we won't need to raise our hands in prayer anymore because our life will become an unceasing prayer in the presence of God. We'll be having this eternally blissful conversation with the God of the universe who wants to be with me and with you forever. One day our lives will be in an unceasing prayer with God. And when Jesus returns, we'll see him face to face. We'll get a, we're getting a glimpse right now of what is to come. And so Paul tells us to pray, supplicate, and do it with perseverance. Sometimes God's reality breaks through amazingly. I'm going to share a story quickly 
as quickly as I can. I was at my prior church. I had a very diverse church. I had a wonderful people there. In fact, I had, a, I had lawyers and doctors, and I had people out of prison. And so one of these signs, I'm a former prisoner named Martin came to know the Lord, and he was walking with the Lord, and he uh, was loving Jesus. And one day, he's out evangelizing, and he got picked up by the police because he still looked kind of like a scary guy. He was a big guy, uh, in and out of gangs, etc. He got picked up by the police. He was just evangelizing, but he didn't know he had an outstanding warrant still, even though he was released from prison. And for him, that was his third strike which meant at that time he would be going to prison for life for simply being out and not knowing he had an outstanding warrant that he had to report. Life in prison, even though Jesus had changed his life. And so we started praying. You know, these, you know, these are like, you know, fourth quarter, Hail Mary, prayer, Lord, we don't know what you're going to do. Martin is facing life in prison. Do a miracle. And so as we did, we started praying, we started sharing this, and one of our guys said, we have a lawyer at our church, maybe he can help. Now keep in mind, he's not a criminal lawyer, he was a corporate lawyer, okay? So we are throwing Hail Marys, right? Like, Lord, whatever you can do, we need a miracle. So the corporate lawyer says, well, I'm a corporate lawyer, I'll write a letter to the judge, maybe it'll help. And so Martin goes face the judge, he has a letter, hands a letter from the corporate lawyer from our church in hand, we're all praying for a miracle, the judge reads a letter. It talks about how Martin has changed his life. He's in this drug rehab program. He's come to faith in Christ. Could you consider being lenient? A third strike, life in prison. We're telling you Martin has changed his life for the better. And the judge lets Martin free. And we found out why. It wasn't because of the corporate lawyer, right? It's because the judge's family member went through the same drug rehab program as Martin. And his brother's life was changed. And so he says, I, I believe you're a changed person. Continue to do the good work you're doing. I mean, here's the thing you, I want you to know. Sometimes we see God break through amazingly, right? Heaven on earth. But you know what Martin said before he got the verdict? He said, Pastor Tim, whether I am free or in prison, I will serve the Lord. Can you walk out here today and say, because of Jesus, whether he answers my prayer or not, I will serve the Lord. Whether I get healed or not, I'm going to keep walking with him. Whether he gives me the thing I want and need or not, I'm going to keep trusting him. That's what it means to pray with persistence and perseverance, knowing of a good father who sometimes says no. We have a good father who sometimes says not yet. And sometimes we get to see heaven on earth in a moment where he says yes. But we keep praising God no matter what. Take a look at verse 19 because Paul says this, keep praying in the spirit persistently for all people, supplicating for all saints, but also for me. Paul says, don't forget about me. Why is Paul saying this? See, remember, Paul's in prison, and when he writes them, he writes them to have persistent faith in prayer. I want you to think about this. Don't you think Paul would have wanted them to pray for his release? I'm sure they're praying for his release, but here he is in prison still. So here's one of the two last things I want to mention before we wrap up. Your persistent, faithful prayers will sometimes go unanswered, but keep praying and keep trusting. Don't you think Paul could have been disappointed? I mean, he is Paul, 
and people are praying for him. He's teaching them on prayer, but yet he's still in prison. And even if he gets out of this prison, which some people think he did, he still ended up in another prison and he died. But we are praying. I know sometimes our prayers go unanswered, or at least we don't get the answers we want. And yet our good God is still good. And our good God still loves you even if he's not answering your prayers how you want him to or in your timing. Keep praying. Paul's continuous imprisonment is not a sign of God's faithlessness or even Paul's. We we are to keep praying and say, Lord, teach me. Whether I am free or I'm in prison, I will continue to serve the Lord. Paul says to keep praying, keep praising, keep trusting, keep asking, because Paul and the Ephesians weren't immune to unanswered prayers. And I have a feeling there's someone in here who has an unanswered prayer that is a burden to you. God still loves you. I know no is hard to hear, and so is not yet, but he has not abandoned you. Don't let the devil deceive you into thinking God has left you behind. Persevere for others and for yourself. I'm going to wrap up with this story. In this story, it's a man named Brandon Manning. I've mentioned him before. I was able to do some ministry with him at some point. He's now passed away. He's in the presence of the Lord. But one time he shared this story about prayer. And a woman came to Brandon and asked him to pray for her sick father who was dying of cancer. And when Brandon arrived in the room, he found a man lying in bed with his head propped up on two pillows with an empty chair next to the bed. Brandon says, hi, I'm Brandon. You must have been expecting me. And the man actually motions for him to close the door, actually. And so Brandon closes the door and he says, actually, that chair is not for you. I want to tell you something. He says, because Brandon was a pastor and He basically says, Pastor, I've always struggled with prayer my whole life. And and so I had some people give me some advice on prayer to read this book or that book. It never helped. But the one piece of advice that worked was my friend some years ago said, this is what I do. I just imagine Jesus sitting in a chair across from me, and I'm sitting in a chair, and I just talk to him. I know he lives within me, but I just imagine he's there. And so I talk to him like he's in the room sitting in a chair. And the man tells Brenda, so when I started doing that, what I found was it really blessed me. I could sit there and imagine Jesus there knowing he's in me. And for hours, I could pray just talking to my friend and Savior Jesus. He says, I'm really careful, though, because if my daughter walks in and sees me talking to an empty chair, she's going to have me put away. So I haven't told even her. You're the first person I've ever told. Brent says, thank you. Deeply moved by that story. And he he left him. The daughter called Brennan two days later and said, let him know my father passed away. And Brennan said, did did he die in peace? He says, I believe so. He said, but the strangest thing happened. I was told that right before he passed away, he decided to put his head next to his bed on an empty chair. So friends, my two pieces of advice before we wrap up is this. Even in the midst of unanswered prayer, keep praying, keep trusting, keep serving, keep learning, keep praising, keep repenting, 
And lastly, sometimes simple prayer is just the way to go. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. It's okay to just rest your head on Jesus. No words. And just know he loves you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He's never giving up on you. He's never abandoning you. It's okay to have simple prayer. Jesus, who lives in you, is greater than he, the evil one, who is in this world. Your battle is not against flesh and blood alone, friends. You need to pray in the spirit. Let's pray right now. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for saying, come to me, all who are weary. Some of us are weary. We have unanswered prayers. We have doubts. We struggle with adoring you, confessing. We struggle with thanking you. We have trouble supplicating. And so, Lord, help us to simply pray this week to pray in the spirit, to be alert, to always keep on praying because we know we are beloved children and you are our good papa. Oh Lord, would you bless us so that we might be a blessing to others and honor you. Oh Lord, we worship you. We love you. Help us to remember to simply praise, to simply pray. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.